Hey, this is Henry. Hey, this is Kaz, and you are listening to Two Rogue Watch Snobs. You have made it all the way to episode 186. Henry, I always called you Michael, I was breaking into my teen. Henry is joining us, TBWS contributor extraordinaire. You know Henry from the TBWS Writers Room episodes, all the awesome pieces he's done um, on the sites, and he's joining me today for a really fun episode, actually. Henry, can you give folks just like... I guess an overview of what the topic is. So we're going to talk about design, watch design, aesthetics, looks, eye candy, whatever you want to call it, uh, and weigh that against functionality, tech, what's under the hood, uh, and all of the uh, specs that people look for in watches. Basically. Basically. I think it's actually, I think it's interesting because you, Henry and I were talking about this offline, and it's so easy for other watch podcasts and like other websites and for watch conversations to just become people rattling off specs um it's very easy to be a spec neck be like oh, it's too it's 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 too easy but to actually have like a proper authentic discussion about design as a feature it's a bit more not wishy-washy but you can't really rely on specific quantitative talking points when you're doing a sort of design focused uh, conversation so I think it's one of those things that I've never really seen discussed properly on um, you know watch websites I've never really heard it on other watch podcasts uh, I also don't listen to other watch podcasts so that's probably why I haven't heard it but I mean it is you know you know Henry it is it is what it is um, but I thought that would be a really, really, really fun thing for us to, 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 to dig into. Um, and yeah, Henry, thank you for, for joining me on this Sunday, giving up a Sunday to listen to my stupid voice to being with your family. Oh, it's okay. I see them all the time. I see, the, <laughs> I see those motherfuckers, Kaz, every day. I'll take an hour out of the day. Where, where are you recording, by the way? Are you in like a den? Are you in like your car trunk? No, I, I actually, I'm fortunate enough. I have an office for myself in my house up on the third floor. Nice. So I'm in my office right now with my uh, my books and my quiet, <laughs> my podcast. Everything, mic, yeah. all the things, all the things outside your mind that reinforce your identity. Right. My instruments, my books, right. my posters. Yes. I don't have posters. I have an office too. I didn't have an office for a long time. but Right. It's great to have one after not having one forever, right? Need yeah. space to, yeah. to think, do some work. Yes. Yeah. Too good, man. Here, let's do this. Let's do a restrict between between uh, you and I, and then I want to do the Patreon restricts, which I'm super super, uh, super excited about. But um, here, man, what do you what do you what are you wearing for 186? So I am wearing my Laurier Neptune version three uh, that I just got Sweet. a couple months ago. I was on the wait list for a little bit, and. Um, it's my first oh, and you only. Posted it in the Slack. I posted it in the Slack. It's like my first and only, um, you know, micro brand wow. independent watch. And I tried it. I tried an older version on it. Wind up, and a lot of people talk about the bracelet on this, and it was for yes. real. And I am, I'm, I'm uh, besotted with it. I think it's great. I couldn't be happier with my first micro brand purchase. This is really your first micro brand purchase. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I've been. I was really. I wanted a micro brand watch, and I was thinking, and I was thinking, and deliberating, and I was. I was going to buy one when my son was born, um, but then I ended right. up getting an Omega instead because I was kind of like I had that that guilt of like, well, I saved up all this money, I should get like a you know a reliable storied brand instead of you know a micro brand. <laughs> um, and uh, I finally was like, you know what? I, I I was supposed to buy this other 
vintage watch, um, this vintage uh, Alsta Nautiscaf diver, the skin diver watch. I'm a big skin diver fan. And wow. the sale fell through. This guy almost ripped me off. I got my money back finally. And I'm like, you know what? I have the money for this, this Laurier. I've been looking at these. I think this was a sign. I should buy something new. And, you know, that's... Uh, that's that. So that's your phone. Is that your phone or my that phone? That was my phone. I thought I had my phone. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, you're good. This is this is, this is, this is a professional show. Professional show. I forgot to tell my mom I'm podcasting right now. Mom, <laughs> never call me here. The best that ever called me here. The I think in the early days, Michael and I used to answer our phone, especially if it was yeah. like our wives called. I mean, before you had like an audience, like, like you're like, yeah, fuck it. I always listen and pick up the phone. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> This is Michael and I recording our shit for ourselves so we could listen back to it in 20 years. Right. Um, what was the buying process like through through Lori? So did you pre-order it or did you just go on the site and buy it? I, and I pre-ordered it. Like I actually, like I said, I tried an older one on it, wind up, and I got to actually talk to, <laughs> to Lauren and Lorenzo, who are both really, really great folks and very nice um, people, very nice people uh, former teachers. So I connected with them on that yeah. level. Uh, and uh, that's uh, right. yeah, I, I pre-ordered on the site. And it was, uh, they, they quoted a later date than I actually, my, my watch was actually ready. You, you order it through the site, uh, you reserve one, they send you an invoice once it's in and then you pay then and then they ship it out and it came super fast and the packaging was great and the box was great. The, the new version of this Neptune watch, I think a lot of improvements over the last one personally, just aesthetic wise. Uh, and it was, mm. it was, a, it was a very pleasant experience. I felt very, very well taken care of in the customer service department, which made me happy. That's so cool. Yeah. What do you do with your wash boxes? I don't think you and I have ever talked about that. We've talked about a bunch of stuff. You and I have never talked about. I don't think. Yeah. What do you do with your wash boxes? The boxes the watches come in. Well, I'm. This one, I feel like part of me is like, oh, I should hold on to this because it's a nice kind of you know cardboard. But I'm like, ah, you know, it's they they, they had like a, a leather travel pouch that the watch came in. So I'm like, that'll definitely keep. Okay. I have a bunch of uh, a bunch of bigger boxes like my Hamilton boxes, which I think at some point when I put some new shelves in my office, I'll probably just put them up as like decoration. I guess. Um, but you know, I have some other boxes from watches that I bought and I'm thinking, you know, I might flip this. So I just hang on to them. I just have them in my office. Cause I'm like, you know, if I ever sell this, even if it's used, I think people will probably appreciate having the box and stuff like that. Oh, uh, for resale, I guess it makes, so I used to be very, um, the time frame in which I treated watch boxes when I first bought them versus when I've when, when I now, you know, have watch boxes, it's the difference between cherishing your first sexual experience and then just having it all be very meaningless um, towards the end. Like, oh, this is my watch box. This is this is where I keep the thing that I wear and is beautiful. And like now it's just like, yeah, I really don't care. I will I will I'll masturbate in the car in the traffic if I have to, if the line's long. So that so now I don't give a shit about the watch boxes. Like I, I get them and like I'll be like, yeah, it's certainly a thing. And then like if it's recyclable, I'll try and recycle it. Yeah. Or I'll just like keep screws in it or I'll just fucking toss it out. But there is one watch box that if I ever get and Henry, I need to I need to explain to you. I will never get this watch box. Right. Okay, this is this is this is vanity of all vanities. I'm never going to get this. It's not it, this 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 is my Sisyphean dream. I will never get this watch box. But if I ever got this watch box, I would cherish it. Have you seen the fucking humidor that Omega Speedmasters come in? If you buy one new from like the boutique oh, or the my, AD, my father-in-law has got one. He just got it a couple months oh, ago. That's it's right. Like you, a, you, you did it in your uncle's steak. Yeah, piece right. We were talking about right, right. This. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the it's the the Speedmaster uh, like freight uh, cargo suitcase thing. It's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 cool. It's very cool, and I've gotten to get up close and personal with it. You know, from seeing his and all the the compartment 
apartments and all the, the swag that comes with it. But it's it's a big one. I don't know where I put it's that. It's quite large. It's a big box. Yeah. yeah. And it comes with like have to, it comes with like an oversized uh, sea monster medallion, like a collectible medallion. <laughs> and it's like you know, and I think my father in law, like you know, he's really, really into the Speedmaster and all, and you know, the whole moon thing. And he was around when that was actually going on. And so I think he appreciates yeah. the package. And I think you know, just kind of <clears> looking <throat> forward at this this topic we're talking about, I think packaging and boxes are part of design too. But oh, um, yeah. yeah, I don't. I, just for me, I, I, you know, I I don't know, man. I mean, I first of all, if I ever got a Speedy, I would buy it pre-owned and <laughs> probably would come in like a fucking Ziploc bag or something. Yes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't, I wouldn't have anywhere to put it. I, I Maybe I'd use it as like an ottoman or a footstool or something. I don't know. <laughs> it is quite large. You'd have to charge it rent yeah. if you did bring it into your home. You could probably sublet um, it if you live around New York. There's like really <laughs> small apartments in there. <laughs> so yeah, it's got the, it's got the Speedmaster Pog Slammer in here. It's got the loop for some fucking reason. I guess you need a loop. When you get this thing, this thing is so. I don't know why. I I love I love the box. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. But yeah, if I I all the other boxes are meaningless, but this this box I would totally. I mean, I feel like if I spent that kind of that kind of scratch on a watch, I'd be like, yeah, you're goddamn right. You're giving me a huge box. <laughs> Keeping like, this box. Like dude. I spent, I, I threw out I'm, some good coin for this. Give me a, give me a nice box, a real nice box. Give me the nice box. I'll transplant my fucking organs in this shit. This is my good box now. Yeah, but like, all the other box, all I'm like, I'm not using Amazon boxes for things no. anymore. This is my good box. Yeah, yeah. You know, there you go. This is the good China version of the boxes I have in my house. Right, right. I only bust this out for guests. <laughs> but that's super cool, man. Super cool that you're wearing the the Laurier, and I'm really, really happy that you're 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 digging it. Um, for. For this week, for this episode, 186 TBWS, um, in honor of this uh, episode, actually, because this is the first watch I thought of, I'm wearing, and I posted this in the Patreon Slack as well, I'm wearing my my MHD AGD in black, this Matthew Humphreys design um, watch. Uh, do you see that in Slack? Or do I'm, you just I'm scrolling to it? back, let's see. You sent it this morning, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Yeah, 928. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's... Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen you wear this one before. Uh, yes, the case the case kind of reminds me of a I had a I had a, a vintage a Seiko seven zero zero six that had this kind of like C shaped UFO looking case to it. It's, it's cool, kind of similar vibes actually. Yeah, so so Matthew Humphrey's design he's an he's an he's a designer by trade, but specifically he's an automobile designer. Cool. I don't really know anything about cars. Well, hold on, I have to correct myself. My dad and my brother know a shit ton right. about cars. My dad's a huge, huge gearhead. My brother's a huge, huge gearhead. And the only car knowledge I've absorbed is through forceful osmosis. And so I know a little bit about cars and I appreciate some car designs. Like my bedroom growing up uh, as a child was above the garage, which I don't think is to code anymore because of fumes, hmm. which would explain a lot. Right. Um, as like an adult but like I remember I would hear the sound of my dad's my every year my dad would get a new car and like he was a big Porsche guy mm-hmm. and so I, I have I can't explain why but I can definitively tell everyone Porsche engines have their own sound and even to this day I, when I hear when I hear an engine I'm like oh, that's a Porsche <laughs> that's that's how fucking sad it is bro <laughs> I have like rain man automobile recall wow. I can't do my taxes but I can I have enough <laughs> mental acumen to do you know to, to, to do that but so I don't, I don't really know anything about cars in, in that sense. I don't really appreciate car design, but Matthew Humphrey's design is an automobile designer by trade, mm. and he's designed this watch in particular, this AGT in black here. Let me actually, I'm going to send you a photo of this case side here. It's very much inspired by like, I guess you could say a car grill or something. Oh, that's interesting. But there's, 
is a really interesting issue that's happening here. Design-wise, in terms of the ethos that Matthew Humphrey's design, MHD, is trying to get across, I think it's perfect. It has like a vintage speedometer look on the dial. The side of the case also has, which I'm sending you right now on Slack, okay. this interesting, um, almost like grill with, like car grill with like a weird tire profile. So in terms of the automotive aspect of it, the watch is great. But the actual practical aspects, it's definitely lacking on. I talked about oh, this on air. Yeah, that's interesting. If you don't, it's interesting, right? It's like, if you yeah. don't have a flat wrist, the watch is not comfortable. Luckily, I have a flat wrist, so it's comfortable. And you can't reach the crown. Like, you have to... Yeah. I can only get the crown because I have, like, slightly long fingernails. That's the only reason I can get the crown because it's so far recessed because of how deep... The crown has to go to accommodate that weird car grill mm. uh, design on the side. So mm. design-wise, it's a really cool watch, and I do enjoy wearing it. But Christ in heaven, I really hate winding this thing. I mean, it's interesting because it's like, you know, it's like it kind of reminds me. I, I, you know, I shouldn't bring up, I guess, like a direct competitor, but you know, I mean, like the only other brand like this I can think of is like Autodromo that does those like car car kind of gauge right. designs. Yes. So the so the dial is super cool, and it looks like a it looks like a gauge. Um, like my, I've seen like, like, uh, these, um, clocks and stuff on the dashboard of Porsches and cars like that mm. kind of looks like that. And so I yeah. also find it totally weird that they also incorporated like a tire and a grill design in the same watch. It's almost like, it's like they're trying <laughs> right. to use multiple parts of the automobile in the design, which is interesting. I never, I never would have yeah. saw that coming, uh, at all. I thought this was what I be... enjoy is that it's not gimmicky. I've seen similar sort of yeah. stuff automotive inspired from like Chopard yeah. and like, it's super gimmicky. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but Matthew Humphrey's design, he's very much, I guess the difference between MHD and Auto Autodromo would be Autodromo very much tries to do like the vintage car thing, right, even right. with his packaging. Yeah. Um, Matthew Humphrey's design, um, he tries to go for a bit higher concept, more modern looking um, stuff. So, But when we were talking about this topic, I'm like, fuck, I have got to wear this oh, totally. this fifty fifty MHD watch, you know, for real on 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 air. So yeah. super super cool. But yeah, that's that's what I'm wearing right now. Here, man, let's do this. I spent way too long on the on our wrist check, but whatever. That's just how the show goes. Um, dude, let's do Patreon audio wrist check shoutouts. If you are not familiar with the hell I'm talking about, if you are supporting us on Patreon and you know who you all are, uh, you are basically automatically entered into what um, you know everyone at the TBWS crew has decided to kind of call it the TBWS audio wrist check patreon shoutouts that's not actually what it's called i don't know what it's called every time i say what it's called i just wing it um which is basically like the mantra of my life right now but basically if you're patreon we're going to dedicate airtime to doing to including you in the audio wrist check it's the closest we can get to having you people at home on air without having you people in our fucking homes and i don't want you people in my fucking home um i think that's i think that's that's fair right henry uh yeah you know i mean i i agree with that i guess <laughs> I don't. I mean, I'm. I'm somebody. 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 There might be some people. Might might be serial killers. I don't want a serial killer in my home. Serial killers in the watch, fam. I. I mean. I mean, they're. You know. Maybe some of the neckbeards. I don't know. <laughs> can we? Can we create? Can we create like a cheesy gas station mystery thriller of like the orological slasher where it's someone who serial kills, but for like the stupidest orological faux pas. Can we? What do you can think? we please maybe for Halloween do a TBWS episode that's like an old like radio drama, like a horror show or like a mystery <laughs> show with like sound effects and shit. Like we'd have to script it out. We'd have to put coffee cans we'd around have to our script mics it out. to we'd like have get to, the. You'd have to play at least two roles because you got to do yourself and the neckbeard, and then. Uh, <laughs> 
Well, the neckbeard could be the killer. Hope not giving it. Hope not giving it away. Um, but the neckbeard could be the killer. But yeah, I think that's actually that actually might be a really great a TBWS idea. radio would, drama radio play. Oh my god, awesome. that would be so. I have to write that down. That would be so enjoyable. <laughs> just just from like a writing aspect. Oh my god, yeah, that awesome. would be great. TBWS Halloween. How the fuck do you spell Halloween? Uh, two L's. Halloween drama. I can't spell. If no one doesn't know that, I can't spell. <laughs> I can't spell and I can't say words without stuttering that are more than like four syllables. Mm. And if there's too many consonants near each other, the word st- st- statistics, that word, I cannot say that word without sounding like like um, Ben Stiller's character, Simple Jack from <laughs> Tropic Thunder. You know what I mean? <laughs> You make me feel good. Hold on a second. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was a good movie. Did you enjoy that movie? Did you see that movie? Yeah, it was all right. It was... It was I'm, right. I'm, I'm more of a, I'm over, more of a Zoolander guy uh, for doing Ben oh Stiller. Oh, my you know? I still I still lose my shit when I... I can't go and pump gas oh my without God. thinking about that scene in the beginning where they're all have, they have, the, they have the, the gas station fight with, like, the gasoline. Oh, my God. And then they have like, then they have the uh, the fountain to memorialize them at the end of the movie, <laughs> pouring gas on each other. That and like I like I, one of my one of my best friends. Like I don't think a week goes by where one of us doesn't text the other one. Like I can derelict my own balls, like, <laughs> like <laughs> once a week. <laughs> oh god! Oh man, that's so good. Here, let's let's do this. Let's get to the Patreon audio. Yeah, great segue. <laughs> great segue. You guys can derelict our balls. Here, let's do this. Um, if you're supporting us on Patreon, thank you so much. But here, let's do this. First Patreon audio risk check shout out goes to OGTBWS um, listener and longtime Patreon contributor uh, Bilal Khan. Um, Bilal, for his audio risk check, has chosen this very intriguing Grand Seiko SBGA 413. Now, I say it's intriguing because it's part of that. I guess it's like a Four Seasons collection that they did. So I think last year for the USA specifically, they did, um, you know, uh, like four, four, four Grand Seiko pieces. One for like spring, um, and then like hold on, let me. I, I can I can just pull it up. The other really fucking funny thing about this audio wrist check is that I asked in the Slack, "Hey, does anyone know about this watch? Because I have it coming up and." I don't know anything about modern Grand Seikos. And then someone posted in a blog to watch piece about it. I'm like, oh, well, great. Well, this is Bilal's wrist check. So this is probably his fucking, <laughs> he contributed to this piece. And I was scrolling through and sure enough, there's a photo of the, the watch that he did his wrist check with on the a blog to watch piece. So so uh, this is actually part of a four series set. Let's see here. Summer edition. So there's a spring one, there's summer, there's fall, and there's winter. And the one that Bilal is wearing here is the spring one in particular. And if you notice, I shared uh, I shared a photo with you, Henry, from his feed. Yeah, yeah. It has this beautiful, almost like, like a subdued pink or lavender hue. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of kind of gorgeous. I mean, all four of these. I'm looking at the the site also. It's got this like. This kind of, I think it's supposed to look like cherry blossoms in the spring. I th- that would actually make a shit ton of sense. It's just interesting because recently we've been ragging on Grand Seiko for getting super 
like two novelty with the dials like oh it's a new uh, Seiko prospect saves the ocean yeah, and it's like right, a crayon right. fist drawing of like waves on lined paper and I'm like this is fucking stupid right. you know what I mean um, but these models in particular I feel like I had no idea these things came out and they're they're all they're all quite gorgeous and there's one in particular that Bilal is rocking the SB I suck with numbers SBGA413 I mean, it's, it's particularly handsome. I mean, one of the things I love about it is that the uh, the spring drive, um, the spring drive, uh, what the hell am I called? The meter, you know, that the the, the yeah, yeah, yeah the, the power the power, power reserve. Yeah, um, it looks yeah. like a fan, like like a. <laughs> it kind of does actually. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was probably purposeful. Like, it looks like a Japanese fan. It's 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 gorgeous. God, this thing is fucking beautiful, dude. Bilal, good stuff, man. This thing is crazy yeah, for town. real. I mean, these are this whole this whole line. I mean, this is this is art, man. This is design. This is for sure. I mean, design forward. This is just right. This is art, you know. Wow, this is great. Let me see. Let me go. There should be should be a Grand Seiko for. Uh, there's got to be a page on the actual site. Were these like limited? I don't understand. There's a page on the site. Yeah, if you Google Grand Seiko Seasons, there's a, a whole thing. I'll uh, see if I can send it to you. Uh, oh, I got yeah. it. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, they have all four yep. of them. The 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 uh, the autumnal equinox, the the fall one, is beautiful too. It looks like it's supposed to look like midnight or something. It's it looks like almost like the uh, the peacock one they re they uh, released a while ago. Oh wow! That limited edition with the gold and the the, the old one had the GS I think uh, printed dial. But this, I mean, these are all these are great. These are gorgeous. I really wish I had fucking known about these. I mean, not like I can fucking afford one of these. These things are, I think these things are, you know, Grand Seiko prices are slowly, that I will be critical of in regards to Grand Seiko. Grand Seiko prices creeping up in, in like a weird, like, like analogous relationship with prospects prices creeping up. Yeah. When a prospects piece costs as much as a Grand Seiko piece and a presage piece is cheaper than a, a prospects piece, right. then... I mean, clearly something's going on. Numbers are meaningless. It's like or logical. Whose time is it anyway? Points, points are meaningless. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I, something, something has to kind of bring a bit more structure to these uh, different, you know, Seiko tiers and price and everything like that. But yeah, huge shout out to Bilal for rocking this thing. This thing is god, god in heaven. Yeah, it's beautiful. Fuck. Look at the crystal on this thing. I'm looking. I got a really good angle of it on the actual um, Seiko site. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. The Rafts of Blossoms. How is the name like the Rafts of Blossoms still very metal sounding? That's a metal fucking name. <laughs> it, yeah, right? I think so. Uh, the Rafts of Blossom. I mean, I mean, if it was like the Wrath of Blossoms, that would be more metal. The Wrath of Blossom. <laughs> That's the uh, sequel to the '90s television show Blossom. Or 80s, I can't remember. Yeah, it's, it's the metal band that's fronted by Mayim Bialik after she left the Big Bang Theory. She's in a she's in a <laughs> she's in a deathcore metal band or something now, black metal. The rap. I watched the shit out of that. That's awesome. <laughs> Let's do this. So yeah, huge shout out to Bilal. Love this watch, man. Thank you for turning me on to this collection. If I ever get the chance, I, I mean, I'm sure these were limited. I'm sure they're all fucking sold out. But if I ever get the chance to take a gander or one of these in the store. I certainly will. Um, moving on to the second Patreon audio wishtick shout out. Huge shout out to another OGTBWS listener, um, great friend of the show as well. Uh, you can catch him on Instagram at CK Fournier. He 
very appropriately phonetically wrote out how to spell his name for me. So thank you uh, for that. C King, C King Fournier. Um, I picked this one also because I thought you would enjoy it because it goes in line with uh, a piece you did recently. Uh, for his wrist check, uh, C.K.C.King Fournier, F-O-U-R-N-E-I-R. You guys will see it in the yeah. show notes. He has chosen to wear uh, a very cool, another Seiko, SBBN015, which is a quartz tune, I believe, on an Uncle Seiko GL831 mm. rubber strap. I thought this would be fun because you obviously did the piece recently on um, on all the grand uh, on on the on the Uncle Seiko straps. Right. Did you cover this one, the GL? Yeah. Oh yeah, I have. I got one of these a while ago for my uh, my sixty three oh nine turtle because that's the, I think the, nice. that's what it came on originally, and I, they came on uh, the strap also came on the Arnie, the Seiko Arnie, and I think possibly some of the some of the seven C four six quartzes, some of the ones that look like the SKX. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a great strap, and I think it looks awesome on this watch, too. Nice. I love the photo that I found on his feed that I shared with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect pandemic watch, SBN015 on a rubber strap. He's taken a photo of this of this watch on, like, a bottle of, like, isopropyl 70% alcohol. <laughs> There's some Clorox wipes <laughs> in the back. It's sterile as but, fuck. Um, yeah, it's awesome. It's sterile. So I think this watch is super cool, actually, because okay, a it's quartz. It's a it's a Marine Master 300 meter tuna. It is quartz. I didn't realize that until I started digging mm-hmm. into this thing. Mm-hmm. It is rocking the 7C46 quartz movement. Mm-hmm. Um, this goes in line with what Michael and I were talking about, where last week, where I think we did unpopular watch opinions last week, and it's, we came to the conclusion that quartz is better. Like yeah, right. If once you once you qualify what the fuck better means, if better means the best execution of what this item is supposed to be function wise, right. a watch is supposed to be a watch, and a watch is supposed to be accurate in time telling. That's one definition of of better right. or best. Right. And so, if you use that definition, then obviously, quartz watches are, are are better. They keep better time. You don't have to wind them. They don't have power loss. You know, as the as the the the, the, the mainspring barrel unwinds, it's you know, fairly consistent. Um, so. But this is this this is part of the Marine Master line, and I was looking it up online. I think these things are like, I think these things are like over a thousand bucks for a quartz watch, which I think is great. Yeah, they're not they're not cheap, but I mean they are cheap. tanks. I mean they are solid watches. Right? Yeah, for real. Um, I have a friend, a, a local friend, who's a big Seiko collector, and he got a he got a, a golden original golden tuna quartz, and it's a monster. So I mean, it's cool. a great great watch. It's just it's a monster, you know. Um, what did you? Didn't you choose a dive watch for your ultimate dive watch? We did a Rutgers episode. Yeah. You, you chose like the Emperor. The, the tuna, Emperor. Didn't you? Is that I what chose. It was? I chose a super expensive tuna that also looked nice because I said like I'm not going to use it, so I wanted to look cool <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, and I and uh, I forgot if that one. I think that one might have been an automatic. But there there are uh, you know super expensive uh, Marine Master quartz watches, uh, but they're they're great. They're great. You know this. That's I mean so this cool. movement, the seven C four six movement is. Uh, uh, highly revered. I think. I think that's what was in the uh, the uh, the Schwarzkopf Quartz uh, Seiko diver that he that he wore that people like. There's that. There's nice. the seven five four eight, which I think was a little bit less um, less desirable to collectors. But this is a solid solid movement. Perfect pandemic watch. Perfect pandemic Seeking, watch. Seeking Fournier 
at Seeking48. I like how he's um, got the Marine Master in the beginning of his handle is Seeking. That's actually, that actually that's a, a, appropriate. Yeah. That works. Yeah. Right. I also I love Keep the I love the flecto out. on this too. I have to say, without sounding like a dick. Let me see the flecto. Uh, let me go back to it. The crystal on these is cool too. I think it might be domed even. Oh wow! Nice. It looks like it's got some sweet domage going yeah, on. You're right. Nice. Wow. Oh, cool kanji date wheel on this thing. This thing is so cool. I wish I had cool stuff. You know what's funny? <laughs> these look like don't I do I don't know I don't know if I'm the only one that does that. I do that, Henry. I do that with everything. My wife and I will be watching TV and like it'll be a commercial with like a woman and like the wind hits her hair and it's beautiful hair. And I'll be like, I wish I had beautiful oh, hair. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> I do that with everything. Like, oh, I wish I, I wish I had cool shoes. Yeah. You know? Instead of these pieces of shit so, on my feet. <laughs> right? These pieces of shoes. Like, 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 they're, just, they're just new balance yeah. that are covered in like ceramic dust tile. Because <laughs> I've been wearing them during my renovation. Dad sneakers, man. But this thing is super cool. Huge shout out um, to Bilal and uh, at King Fournier for um, supporting us on Patreon. Yeah. And thank you for joining us in the audio wrist check. At this point in time, just taking care of some housekeeping stuff. If you want to support some Patreon, go and do it. Patreon.com slash twobookwatchknobs. The main draw that people are fucking loving is that through uh, Patreon, you get access to the private uh, twobookwatchknobs Slack channel, which... It's so cool. I don't know. I've been I've been really, really enjoying it. Everyone here is fucking hilarious. We do daily morning wrist checks. We shoot the shit. We complain about work. It's actually a lot of fun. You know? Yeah, it's a blast. It's a blast. Well, you know, it's sometimes complicated because I won't check it for like an hour and then I'll come back and there'll be 400 unread yeah. messages. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, re I'm not reading Oh, yeah, those. I put this shit on mute it's all the time, but it's a blast nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing mission critical that no. could be occurring no. <laughs> to my life in the TBWS patreon slack channel but um if you want to join definitely join it's a lot of fun it's a really really good 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 group of folks um you get access to that also everyone that's using our amazon affiliate link to just support the show in that way through no extra cost to you thank you so much that is huge it's keeping us alive essentially that and patreon also huge shout out to twobookwashnops.com go and check out the site because our very own damon bailey has contributed <laughs> um this might be our Citizen Kane. I think I might have literally made that <laughs> made that joke before. I think this is our Citizen Kane. Um, uh, prompted by no topical events at all, Damon Bailey, TBWS writer extraordinaire, has taken it upon himself to create uh, a just again totally innocuous, uh, you know, just kind of out of nowhere, uh, a list of cool shit you could buy for fifty nine hundred dollars. That's just a random arbitrary number. I'm sure he just dartboarded. Of course. Um, but there are some great things on here. There's the tank experience, which is exactly what it fucking sounds like if you live in Texas. <laughs> Uh, there's a turkey hat. Turkey hat is here. Velociraptor. Um, chicken leash. I like the chicken leash a lot. Chicken. The chicken leash leaves you enough money to buy a chicken afterwards. You know? Yeah. I like the, I just like this, the subtitle of the article on the front page, which says, here's 13 cool things you can throw all that stupid money at. <laughs> <laughs> this, this may be his magnum opus. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, and don't forget God, the Nicolas so Cage good. mermaid pillow. Like, you got to oh, cozy this thing up with that. It really freaks me out. <laughs> it's, like, it's like some kind of surreal horror dream. You know what I mean? Because, like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's a Nicolas Cage pillow, sequined <laughs> pillow in here as it's well. Great. 
There's a flamethrower drone. Go and check it out. If you, for some reason, have the arbitrary number, which we aren't really contributing to anything, of $5,900 just burning a hole in your fucking pocket, huh? Uh, go and check out Damon's piece. He's got some really good ideas for you to just, just waste your fucking money if you, for some reason, felt opted to waste $5,900 on something else that I can't really think of right now. Um, yeah, huge shout out to Damon. Whew, let's see here. Uh, Henry... It's time for the main topic. We got through all the housekeeping stuff, Excellent. and you didn't hang up on me. You're still with it, right? Oh, no, I'm here. No, I'm here. I'm just fucking with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking with you. I would be. I would. Re- I would actually be quite pleased if, for the past half hour, it's just been me. It's alone. not going to be it's good like, entertainment oh, wow. unless the audience really feels that, that was a real fright on your part. I had to let them really think you I need wasn't to there. Feel. It's like the stories I've heard when um, The Shining was getting filmed. Yeah. Like the stuff that they had to, yeah. like the stuff that the whole production crew and the director put the Shelly, come on, Shelly. Like this, like some, I've heard some horror stories. Oh, yeah. Literal horror stories from the filming of oh, that yeah. horror story. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, you created appropriate tension Great. within me. So, yes, thank you. I, I'm glad the audience. They had to believe it. But here, let's do this. Um, how how would you like to begin the discussion here? Let me pull up this thing. I have just our little notes. Design averse function, examining examining the balance. How do you think it would be an appropriate way to discuss this? Is there one watch or one sort of real-life experience in particular you'd want to highlight to kick this thing off? Um, I mean, I could I could say a few words again about my, my Laurier Neptune that I'm wearing right now. Um, okay, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, again, this micro-brands thing is, I mean, we could, we could, this could be an entire other conversation. But so, you know, when we look at our wrist i mean we're, we're focusing on uh the aesthetics of what we see now we we love i think you know as watch collectors to like you said kind of neck beard out over specs and this and that and and quality and tech and reliability timekeeping precision all this kind of stuff but i mean nine times out of ten what it is that we're seeing is what's on the surface of our wrist every time we, we stare down what's interesting about yeah. the laurier watch and i think a lot of um a lot of micro brands, especially some of the more affordable ones, is that, you know, they they can't possibly, to keep costs reasonable, have these super accurate, high-end, in-house made movements and all this stuff that people really, really covet. And so they end up using very good, very reliable, but mass-produced uh, movements. Uh, the Laurier that I'm wearing mm. now has, um, I'd have to look it up, but it's a Miyota movement. I think it's the same Miyota movement uh, that was in my uh i used to have one of the maritac pilot watches and it's a it's a super super good movement they they did a little uh, i think it's a newer version where it now has uh hacking along with hand winding it's it's automatic also cool. um it's got i think a 40 hour i want to say power reserve um and you know it's a great movement but you know for movement snobs for tech snobs um you know it's nothing to write home about so you know what can a micro brand do. I mean, they can pour their heart and soul into design. I think some mm. of the, some of them do that in terms of you know really just the aesthetics, the way it looks. And I think a company like Laurier really puts it into the looks, but also the quality of the design. Like I think one of the things that yeah. people talk about a lot with Laurier watches is is their bracelet. 
Um, and it's this, it's this first thing I noticed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when I when I held one for the first time, I was like, oh shit, this bracelet means business. The, the bracelet means business. It's got a really nice <clears throat> clasp. It's got solid end links, and it's 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 kind of like it's got an oyster or an H link kind of vibe to it. But it's what's interesting about it is that the links kind of give the appearance of being squared off. So even though yes. the bracelet's you know around your wrist when you kind of do a you know hashtag wrist roll and you look at it in the light, the way the light <laughs> bounces off, it's like a it's like a disco ball. It looks like it's made up of a bunch of squares. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, and not only that, but what I love about the micro brands and, and something like Laurier, like this piece, is that because they're putting, you know, so much attention into design, they are kind of giving us what we would want from some of these more uh, established brands that maybe have some of these better movements. Like, you know, how many people have wanted a skin diver style, 1960s looking, no date, big crown diver? And like all these brands that have historically mm. made those, they don't make stuff like that anymore. Or they, they make them in a way that they tweak the, the aesthetic a little bit. So it's, you know, I've had this, I, I don't know if other people have had this experience of whether it's, you know, brands I really enjoy like Seiko or Hamilton, they re-release something from the archives, but it's just like a little off. Like when Hamilton first started doing their khaki yeah. field watches, um, you know, they weren't 34 to 36 millimeter hand winds. They were like 40 millimeters, 42 millimeters, 20 millimeter lugs, 22 millimeter yep. lugs. And and so you're like, yes, you know, some of the design principles there, some of the heritage of the brand is there, but it's just a little off, you know? Laurier yeah. says, well, you know, this is what people want. This is what we like. And we're going to just, we're just going to do it right. 38 millimeters, no date, big crown, hand winding, signed crown, uh, engraved case back. I mean, it just, it's, it's off the charts with how, how pretty this thing is. And yeah. so it's interesting. Yeah, oh no, I was just going to just finish by saying, so, so, you know, how do you then weigh that against the fact that there's a, you know, reliable but fairly unremarkable, uh, you know, mass-produced uh, Miyota movement under the hood? Is it is it a deal breaker? You know, mm. I don't. Really, it's interesting. I think for some people it would because there are people out there. So just for reference, this is the Miyota Nine Zero S Five automatic movement, no date. I think for some people would because there are still people out there who don't think it's worth wearing unless it's got a Swiss movement. Right. Like I, the first time I went to wind up, I heard this, and the last time I went to wind up, I heard this. You just, I'll just kind of be standing there, and someone will walk up to the booth, and the first thing they'll ask is, you know, what what movements do you do you guys use? And more often than not, if they say like Miyota or something like that. The person was kind of be like, "Oh, okay, cool," and they'll just like leave, you know. Right. Um, yeah, and I think it really. I I, th I I think the divide is occurring here. I think people care more about. Okay, how the fuck? I'm trying to phrase the concept of people are stupid in a way without saying people are stupid. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just trying to. Well, no, I think I think people when they see and you're totally right when you see the watch on your wrist you're appreciating it visually but i think most people lack the ability to articulate design appreciation right so to compensate they focus on specs i know that swiss watchmaking is a, a, a you know legacy it's really really good they do more qc which is bullshit if you ask me um you know swiss is better so if I can't properly articulate that this is a skin diver 60s style with a big crown that's really designed for a modern, you know, sensibility or for someone that appreciates history, if I can't articulate that, I can still at least latch on to the idea of, 
oh, well, yeah, it's a vintage-looking watch, but you just threw, like, a Miyota moving in there. Like, you know, why couldn't you put a, an Etta or a fucking right. Salida or something like that? So I think, I think it ends up being a deal-breaker for some folks because they just don't know how to appreciate the visual aspects of a design. That's not, like, an easy thing to do. You know? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people, and I think this goes for all kinds of collecting, because I've seen this in, I mean, I'm a big uh, musician and guitar guy and mm-hmm. gear guy in that sense, and I, you know, I've seen the same kind of habits where people kind of they resign yeah. themselves to one particular tier of what they want or higher. You know, it's always like I, you know, this or better, and it's like if there's something that doesn't quite you know make the cut uh, for their expectations, it's like it's completely out of the realm of possibility to appreciate anything about it. And, you know, yeah. when we talk about design, like, you know, if we talk about something like, you know, this kind of a design or something like, you know, more ubiquitous, like the design of like a field watch, um, you can buy a field watch style watch, you know, a, a quartz dependable field watch style watch from some kind of no name store brand. And it still looks pretty good, you know, uh, it still yeah. looks pretty OK. And it's something like the field watch design is so it's been around for so long and it's been so incorporated, appropriated, remixed, whatever you want to say by by other companies that uh, to make an argument that you need to have some kind of authentic brand with a storied history to wear that design seems kind of insane to me uh, in a way <laughs> versus just having a watch that that looks good and that takes cues from something that's very you know visually pleasing um right. yeah but human but humans do this thing where they want the objects they wear or the objects they treasure to reflect something about themselves right. So I don't want to buy a watch that's a field watch design, but that's not from a legacy field watch brand because I don't want that to potentially uh, articulate that I am uh, there's some sort of or I don't care about authenticity or that like I'm only like a surface level, you know, person like I know that sounds insane when you say the words, but I think unconsciously we all do that or have done that. I know I used to do that to a certain extent. It's like, oh, I don't want to, if I'm going to buy, like, you know, uh, uh, if I'm going to, and I used to think like this when I was, when I was the first getting into watch, if I'm going to buy like, like a really classic black dial diver, I should fucking just save up for a Rolex because that's like the right, icon, exactly. but, you know, but that, because I don't want to be seen as someone that doesn't understand, oh, I bought something that's not a Rolex because I don't, I don't understand. I have to get a Rolex to get the iconic black dial diver. And then B, the other really dark side of watches, I don't want to be the person that looks like they couldn't afford oh, yeah. the Rolex. Blah, 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 right. blah. I mean, obviously, I've grown out of that now. I'm much more hateful. And I just don't give a shit about people think anymore. But I, I think people still kind of get themselves, you know, in those in those little little areas. So I think that the the idea of yeah, the field watch has been done. There's no reason for you to try and get it from like an authentic source, but I think that goes back again to just people's potential inability to articulate something about themselves or to see how an object or a design might be. They might be putting a little too much emphasis on it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I think you know. I think what what people I think people who are genuinely interested in what they're buying and what they're putting their money into. I mean, they, they want, you know, authenticity. And I think the, you know, you know, you were saying before that we get very, you know, neckbeardy about, 
um, tech specs with watches, and, and we can't really do that with design. But, you know, I respectfully disagree and think you can certainly get neckbeardy about design and authenticity. And I think the thing that rubs people the wrong way is when a brand appropriates rather than integrates or remixes an existing design. Like I say, th- I think there's, you know, there's, there's blatant kind of writing, writing the coattails of a particular look or aesthetic. Like, you know, a lot of fashion watches are guilty of this where they, you know, mimic the look for less kind of a thing and they really don't contribute to it. They just kind of carbon copy it in a lesser way. And then there's other brands that they remix. They take something that's a traditional style or a style that's that's popular in some way, and they do something that puts their own particular spin on it. And I think even though you're like, okay, well, this is a diver, it's not a Rolex, but it's got its own kind of like tweaks on that design. I think that seems to be done consciously by the designers of that watch. And I, for one, I, you know, I appreciate that. I, I, I know it's not a Rolex, but I know, you know, it's in the same wheelhouse, but there's something that distinguishes is it just enough? And I think that's kind of what people like. It's that 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 appropriation of something, that carbon copying, yeah. that you know that that um, you know bootleg kind of a thing. Versus, um, you know, a, <laughs> a, a, you know, I don't even want to say a lesser version, but a different version of something that is revered. And I think, you know, I mean, we we would, you know either, you know, today or, or in future episodes, if we do this again, I mean, we could probably go to some particular brands that, you know, that are, that are really remixing classic design. And you, you really have to say, you know, the balls, you know, to go up against something like a Submariner and try to do your own thing with it and really try to, you know, make it your own in a way that, you know, people are going to give you flack for it because close-minded people do that. Uh, But to say, you know, we're confident in our, in our design principles. When I tell my, you know, I teach writing, when I tell my students, uh, I teach creative writing also, when I, when I tell my fiction writing students about how, you know, the best writers, they steal. They steal from, they know who the best people are and they steal from them. And the idea <laughs> is that you steal from the best people, but you're not really, you know, plagiarizing. You're kind of adopting, uh, you're, you're adopting uh, characteristics that make them who they are and you're internalizing them and you're using that to kind of remix yeah. into your own into your own style. And I think people people appreciate that when, when it's consciously done. I always say to them, like, you know, you have to, and this some people argue with me and think this is too, too uh, reactionary, but I say, you know, you kind of have to understand what's being done, understand the rules, and then, you know, you can break them consciously because you know that, that you're breaking of the rules or your tweaking of the rules in some way is a conscious effort to do something and break some new ground in some way. Wow. That's such a good point. So I like, I, I like that idea of just being conscious of the rules, conscious of what you're doing, especially in regards to remixing, like remixing designs that we all know. And the first one that popped into my head when you mentioned that is, have you seen the, um, and this is, and I, this is why they're wildly famous or wildly well sold. Um, those NTH, subs and the knocking like uh, 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 uh snowflake dials yeah 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 um yep. that chris bales didn't have you have you yeah, seen yeah yeah i think i feel like some someone's posted this on our slack an nth watch of some sort yeah that looks like an old okay. it looks like an old uh i'm looking at one that looks like an older sub slash uh like a black bay 58 like one of those older uh yeah no crown I, just guard sent, subs. I just sent i just sent Let's you see. one of my favorite ones that he's ever done see. this is Obviously, I, I love this watch because I love that older style uh, Submariner case. But obviously, there's a lot of weird oh yeah right, takes right, on here. Right. It's like this. It's like this weird turquoise bezel. Mm. The di- the dial has like a weird grating texture, on, like a grid texture on it. Yeah. Um, right. But this is done very much in the vein of listen. This is this is uh, this is a remix of a submariner you know yeah and so 
I find this more forgivable than some brands like fashion brands who would just put out like clearly like a black dial Submariner looking watch because they're trying to just right. look like that watch as opposed to remix it and just understand it, know the rules and then kind of um, interpret it there in their own way. So I, I do like the way that you're kind of delineating the difference. Yeah, I mean, you know? another one that, you know, I mean, I feel like I could get neck beardy about this myself, but, you know, I, I know I know, just in our Slack discussions that a lot of our, our friends who, that we talk to are, you know, are appreciative of uh, Steinhardt. And I feel like a few oh, a yeah. few people were saying how they like this new Steinhardt Pepsi GMT that's coming out. And for me, I think while, you know, I haven't handled the Steinhardt, but I've heard good things about the construction. I feel like a lot of their stuff really, for me, doesn't cut it. It seems way too homage. And that's why when they did years ago they did the ocean one titanium it was like this titanium watch mm-hmm. with like a, a black and blue dial and had like blue a blue uh, second hand that i was like okay you know i i see what you're doing there like that to me seems like okay we know that we are you know starting is kind of kind of doing homage watches um but uh now we're going to try to to do something a little bit original. I think a good example would be like, I'm in a cover band and you know, we play cover right. songs and then once in a while, you know, you sneak in an original. It's kind of like that. It's like, okay, we're doing, we're doing stuff <laughs> right. that people want, but then we're also, you know, we're, we're trying to do a little bit of our own thing and you know, no, no, no disrespect to Steinhardt for the company and starting as a brand that, that does a lot of watches that are kind of homages. But when I saw that titanium, I was like, Oh, this is interesting. I wonder if they're going to do more stuff like this. And it seems like they ended up kind of going back to doing, more homage things um but i think the argument that our friends on slack have um you know while it's not my particular cup of tea i think that the argument is sound that well you know i'm not going to spend you know 15 grand on a gmt master and this you know while it looks like it a lot and there are a lot of similar design cues it's still a watch that's got integrity it's got quality it's got good finishing and build and there's a decent movement in it and uh i mean you at the end of the day you can't you can't really argue with that you know i'm looking at this pepsi steinhardt right now the Steinhardt thing is actually a really interesting point, point to talk about just in regards to this discussion. It, it's 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 an homage, and like you said, the majority of what they do are are you know, homages. Right. Um, I think people really latch on to Steinhardt because it's kind of less, it's more forgivable to for an homage to exist if it's built really well. Right. And every time the Steinhardt discussion comes up, you know, whether it's in our Slack or whether I'm speaking to someone individually, they always talk about the quality, like the design, the stealing, I mean, that's that, that's the, the stealing of a design <laughs> can be forgiven because these things are made really, really, really well. Right. And Steinhardt's in a really weird position. I don't know of any, maybe Squally, some of the Squally uh, watches are clearly, um, I mean, actually, no, not really. Some of them are reinterpreted, like the the their GMT, the Squally Atmos Thirty GMT right. um, ceramic. That's forty two millimeters. Right. I mean, that's fucking that's huge. So it's a bit different, and some of the colors yeah. are different. But not a lot of brands like Steinhardt are in that position where the stealing of a design is kind of forgivable because, like, hey, you guys are building these things, you know, really, really well. Right. So I just. I've never really thought about it that way until you, you until you brought it up. So I'm coming. I'm kind of having to like revisit my feelings on Steinhardt because like yeah I'm, I'm for the most part I was fine with starting on Steinhardt I'm like yeah that's great man they're they're doing they're doing their thing and they're still a small company and they're building these things but 
I mean, like, I think I think yeah. the the neckbeard quality. I can't stop saying neckbeard. I think you just you got it into me. <laughs> but the yeah, let's, this is the show let's, to do. Let's, it, say, man. let's say the fastidious quality of somebody. I think you know you again. You can just there's this endless list of delineations. Like you know how much mm. uh, you know how subtle does a different design cue have to be to satisfy you know oh this is a different thing. Like okay, like Steinhardt's got a different logo on the dial, right? And they have you know uh, like I mean there's there's certain small things on this GMT that are that are a little bit different. Um, but I mean, for the most part, for me looking at it, I mean, you could, if you put Rolex, if you Photoshop Rolex on this dial, I don't know if I could tell the difference. And to me, that's, that's yeah. kind of problematic. Whereas, you know, I wonder, you know, what this watch would look like if it didn't have, uh, if it didn't have this wide tooth uh, bezel, if it had a coin edge bezel, yeah. if it had a knurled bezel, that's something that just made it look a little like, like the, um, Mike's always talking about his uh, his tutor, and I think that you know, especially I mean, they have to distinguish themselves from Rolex, obviously, but like that GMT has got some distinctive things that really, to me, make yeah. it it's it's very much its own. You know, I mean, it it's got the Pepsi thing; point. it's even part of the Rolex company. Are they still part of the Rolex company? Are they still owned by Rolex? Because uh, they're no doing like they're the doing like because they're doing in-house movements and stuff, so maybe they're a little bit more independent. Yeah. But I mean, that's something that it's it's familiar, but it's fresh. This to me just seems like. And again, like I, I'm not here to, as my wife would say, you know, yuck other people's yums. I mean, if you want a GMT master so badly and you're never going to really get one as, as you know, most of us will not. Um, right. I mean, I'm a huge fan. That's one of my holy grail watches, but I'm, you know, I'm never going to plunk down that kind of money. But at the same time, you know, I don't, I don't know. I feel like, you know, if I found a Pepsi dial, like, you know, I have the Timex Q Pepsi dial watch and that's not a GMT. Yep. That's a 12 hour bezel. But to me, that scratches the itch a little bit. And to me, it seems like, okay, this is something that's got its own thing going on. So I don't feel like I'm trying to masquerade with something that looks very close to the, to the original thing. Cause not even that people are doing this to, to, to try to pull a fast one, but I personally, just my own opinion, I'd look at my wrist and I would just feel disappointed. I'd be like, yeah, it's great. Great. It's mm. it feels good, but like it's not the Rolex. It doesn't have that on the dial. It's it's just you know, and and I would always be thinking, yes, I'll have this GMT until you know until the day when I can dot dot dot. And like I don't, right. I, you know, I'd rather have a watch that I you know appreciate for what it is because it incorporates some aesthetic design language that I that I like instead of having something that is just kind of trying to try to fake me out on a daily basis. What I, I, there's a phrase that I learned in doing, because I'm in the middle of this, this bathroom renovation right. for, for people who don't know. And there's a phrase that I learned from, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff myself and I'm watching YouTube videos, which I know is probably a can of worms. But just before you all send me your angry emails, I'm not doing my own electrical, I'm not doing my own plumbing or my own structure or any of that crap. But there's a phrase that one of these guys on YouTube uses and um, I actually love it. And I think it actually applies here. He calls it the six foot rule, the six feet rule. <laughs> If it looks okay from six feet, you did a good yeah. job. And so I, in my mind, I'm like, okay, if you put this Steinhardt next to the Rolex and stood six feet away, would I, as a layperson, tell the difference? No, I couldn't. Right. I probably couldn't. I mean, you know, like being being realistic, like I, and so because and then I couldn't help but picture the people at Steinhardt designing this GMT, but actually having like a GMT master like there and just like okay maybe we could change the logo here make sure the teeth look like like actually just like going back and forth from the real thing to the render and then sending that and then having that having that made so it's just um right 
and you know, and yeah, I, really and so I feel like that is the that is the opposite of what I was saying before. Like if you are holding the original next to yours, and you're trying, it's kind of like you know, if a student if a student hands in a paper that you know has been plagiarized, and they go back and they mm. change some of the adjectives and they change a few of the specifics, it's still the same paper, but they're just trying to cover their tracks. Versus, you know, I understand you know what this what this watch <clears> design <throat> is, and knowing that I'm going to internalize that as a designer, and I'm going to think about how can I kind of remix that. And you know, remixing doesn't mean yeah completely doing your own version from scratch it means like there's enough recognizable traces of the original but you're doing something that are conscious tweaks to it based on you know the properties of it like you understand what it's about and you're yeah. consciously making choices you know another example is i have uh, you know one of my my favorite watches that i have you know important watch of mine is my my skx 007 and you know, I, yep. I, you know, just through boredom uh, during the pandemic, you know, shopping online, and I, I bought a couple of different uh, bezels for it, and uh, with new inserts, and I have the um, quote unquote Batman, the black and blue bezel. Um, oh, yeah. And you know what's interesting with with Seiko modding is that number one, like you know, I saw that and I thought it looked sharp on the SKX. Am I putting you know? Did I put it on my watch because I want my my SKX to look like a Rolex Batman? No. Do I want a Rolex Batman? No. Uh, I think you know. <laughs> I mean, to, to what degree can Rolex claim proprietary uh, rights over the colors blue and black? You know, um, and right. so so I thought it looked pretty pretty awesome, and I'm satisfied with the way that that looks on the particular Seiko. I'm not trying to emulate anything. I definitely took a cue from the Rolex Batman. I thought, oh, wow, this is a sharp look. I wonder how this would look on, on my watch. But right. then there's people that mod their Seikos to look like Rolexes. Like they do the, the Yacht Master with the new, the new 5KX. Oh, shit, yeah. But I think also that's, that's a little bit different um, from what Steinhardt does because this is not being done to sell things. I mean, this is people who are doing this as a, as a creative act on their own. They're making their own tweaks. They're making it their own in that way. And if making it their own means making it look like, you know, a watch that, that they aspire to maybe like, I feel like that's a different, a different category than a company doing it and then selling it, you know? Yeah. And some, some of them are really great. Like I saw on Reddit on the, I'm always on the, the Reddit watch exchange and some dude, I forgot what his username is, but some dude like does these great, they, these great Seiko rebuilds. And he does these Marine master dials in like, in like an SKX case uh, or something that looks like an SKX case. And he's been doing a Pepsi bezel with a meteorite dial that looks like that meteorite GMT Jesus. that came out. And it, but I mean, yeah, it looks yeah, distinctively yeah. Seiko, but it takes those design cues from the Rolex, but they're gorgeous. Like he really does a great job. And I, I've even thought about like nabbing one of those. I mean, you know, and he, he's, he usually, charges the price of materials like whatever it costs them to make it but they're they're gorgeous you know and wow. they're their own animal they're a hodgepodge but they're they're they have the individual stamp of this guy's creative vision for what he wanted to do with it and i feel like that is another kind of way of consciously you know remixing an original design yeah wow let's let's do this i'm looking at the notes you've put together that you shared um because we ended up talking a lot about homages, which I think is actually an interesting uh, offshoot of just about the whole design right. watch discussion. But you wrote a thing here that I'm curious about because I don't think I understand it. 
Quartz watches with high design versus fashion watches. Right. So I would say, you know, a fashion watch for, and you know, what's, what's so interesting about our discussions and, and what you guys have been talking about on the podcast is like, I feel like there's, there's always multiple ways to define these terms. We can look at them through different lenses, right? So we think of fashion watches, you guys have talked about them as, you know, things like the Daniel Wellington, et cetera, et cetera. I've talked yeah. about them, uh, you know, I wrote an article a while ago about department store watches, and we talked about watches yep. that were manufactured specifically for stores as being fashion watches. But I think we can also think of fashion watches as falling under that category of design of reproduction without careful like remix or rethinking. So watch brands that incorporate a classic field watch design without really making it their own. Like, you know, Timex makes the field watch their own. They have their own aesthetic to their campers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but right. then, you know, you might find, you might find, you know, a, an MVMT or a Nixon or, or, or even a brand, you know, like a, a diesel watch or a Michael Kors watch that mm. incorporate field watch design because it's popular or not because they're really trying to do something with it. And then there's quartz watches that have high, high design. So the example that I jotted down was Swatch. Swatch records watches and particularly the Swatches of the 80s were completely their own thing. They were about design. I mean, part of it, you know, was about, yeah. oh, now you can afford a Swiss watch. But I guarantee you, teenagers in the 80s who were buying and trading all these different design swatches with these different patterns and designs, et cetera, they, they weren't going, oh, I have a fucking Swiss watch. Like, I don't think they gave a shit. I don't think they thought about it. I don't think they really cared. Um, uh, and I, I mentioned like later on, like I had another idea for a future topic where we actually talk about artists and designers that have collaborated with watch brands, but the, the artist Keith Herring, the, the, uh, the street artist, the muralist, the painter from New York, he did a series of watches for Timex in the eighties where the dial had the Keith Herring figures, oh, wow. his like signature figures on it. And so, um, you know, there are quartz watches that have high design concept, uh, that I think would tip the scales for me as opposed to quartz watches, which are probably of equal price point, uh, that seem to have some kind of thoughtless reappropriation of a popular design. Like basically at any price point you can find, I mean, this is what's great about the hobby. Like you can find something interesting and original, I mean, or not, it depends on how nerdy you want to get. But for me, it's very important that, you know, okay, well I'm going to spend, you know, $150. So I know I'm not going to get a Rolex. So I'm not going to go looking for a $150 Rolex. I'm going to go looking for a $150 right. watch that, you know, a Rolex type company would never think of doing. They would never do this. This is, you know, for, you know, the, the term of, uh, you know, the, the discussion of value versus price, right? That's why so many of us, I think, get into Seiko from the beginning is that there's, there's yeah. a tremendous amount of value because for that price, you get forward thinking, deliberate design. Uh, and in the case of like quartz watches, you can get a cheap, reliable quartz watch that's got other things that are more important to it than the movement inside. Or you can get a, a cheap quartz fashion watch where really none of it was really doesn't seem to be uh, purposely thought out in any type of way to make any kind of mark on you. It's just, you know, oh, you couldn't afford to get an IWC. Here's a, you know, Nixon watch that kind of looks like it or you know oh, you couldn't afford to get this here's mm. a, a diesel watch that looks like I mean granted if you get a fucking diesel watch it's gonna be like 49 millimeters and you have to be like Stallone to wear it on your arm but uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean does that, does that make more sense yeah yeah well I mean it's interesting and I, I have like a potentially toxic follow up if you focus on the design of a watch and make that the impetus for your purchasing that watch so you know obviously these watches that came out the 80s affordable Swiss watches these high schoolers and A's don't give a fuck if it's Swiss they, they, they're buying because they're cool right. looking if you buy a watch for that reason <clears throat> are you a watch person because I think a lot of people in the watch family identify themselves as urology enthusiasts because they know more than what a watch 
looks like or because what the watch looks like isn't what's only and again this is this is this is this is a toxic question and because the watch isn't the watch design isn't the only reason they're buying a watch they know they know more about it than just the cool right. you know design on it. like 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 do you know what I'm yeah, saying? I do mean, you think there's room I would say like I would a, say yes yeah. I would say yes and no I would say there are people that have mm-hmm. serious cash that can throw down for a Rolex GMT master or you know more, even more popular I would say like a, like a like a day date or day trust and they're not watch people yeah. they're people they're money people right they want to watch and they oh well Rolex yes. is the best so I have a Rolex right so I think that I, so I think like yeah I would say if you're not into the particular of it, you could very well not be a watch person, but you can do that with a with a luxury brand as well. I think also, if you were to say that people that are horology enthusiasts, you know, are have a blind eye to design, I would say that then I would not consider that to be a you know a thorough watch person. If you only care about the movement, like because people, I mean, like point. yeah, I mean the the aesthetics of watches have developed materials, methods, et cetera, et cetera, in the in you know the decades from the beginning of the first wristwatches. But even if you go back to like the first. Um, trench watches, watches that were pocket watches that were then uh, transformed into wrist watches. And I mean, I guess even just pocket watches before that. I mean, like if you buy a vintage, you know, Waltham or Hamilton, you know, railroad pocket watch from, you know, 1915, like, oh, well, I have this because it has this particular movement. Like, oh, yeah, right. You didn't give a shit about the porcelain dial, the Roman numerals, <laughs> the, the cathedral hands. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, that you, you had a blind eye to that. I mean, if you, you know, what's great about the hobby is that we're not here to dictate to anybody how they should appreciate watches or, or call anybody a watch right. fan or not a watch fan. But I, I would counter that by, you know, by saying, you know, I don't think design should be considered as a secondary thing because what good is all of that technology under the case back that many times you can't even see if there wasn't a clear at least three hands and some you know hash markers for you to be able to tell what fucking time it is you know that's such a good point i mean the idea there there does need to be some kind of balance between the two you know what i mean between the two kind of, of, of viewpoints to 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 an extent, but I think it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. I, I just don't think some people know how to appreciate certain design aspects. They can only see in terms of specs. I mean, we're kind of getting away from that now these days, but in the early days of like, not the early, that's I would say like the middle ages of, of micro brands. Um, whenever a micro brand would pitch a new watch, the first thing they would say is, oh, it's a sapphire crystal, it's an Eta movement, it's, you know, 40 millimeters, or I guess back then it'd be 42 millimeters, like they, would put such an emphasis on the specs right. because they know people make their purchases based on on specs first. Because right. people people you know don't I mean? want to feel like they've been bamboozled, and people want to feel like they've gotten a deal. Wow, I spent five hundred dollars right. on this micro brand watch, and look at all the features I got. If I bought a, you know a, a bigger brand name watch with all those features, it would cost me one hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars more or something. You know, right? But I think. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's just that's just how people uh, you know behave. But in terms of you know, it's kind of like when I when I talk to students, like you know, I've done units in my classes where we talk about aesthetics and we talk about you know, I've done units on art and things like that. And I always tell them, you know, art is art's for everybody, right? So you don't have to mm. n- not be a design person with watches because you don't have a vocabulary with which to discuss design. You could look at your wrist and be like, wow, that's a good looking watch. And if you're interested, you can you can look up watches like that online. You can find out the history of 
you know, how did they design that dial? Why are those markers triangular? Why did they decide to start using loom? Why did they switch to tritium from radium? Um, but I mean, in, yeah. in its simplest terms, I mean, aesthetics, you know, they're things that are pleasing to, to our eyes and, and anybody can enjoy the look of something. You don't have to have any, you don't have to be informed. You don't have to be, you know, a woke watch person. You could just literally <laughs> look down at your wrist or look at something in the case of a jewelry shop and, and fall in love with the way it looks because something about it appeals to your sensibilities. Yeah. Do you think, and so I'm taking a look at the time and I want to make sure I'm conscious of it. We should start rounding sure. up soon, but one thing that I did want to bring up just based on the conversation that we're having now that I think would be interesting to kind of focus on, do you think there are any appropriate intersections where the function of the watch is the design? Oh, yeah. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Where like this, this is a purely, this thing was designed purely for function, but then in a weird way, we end up falling in love with the look of it because it's a function forward. I have one watch in particular that I'm thinking of, but like I'm curious on your on your like your take on Oh, that. for sure. I mean, I think you know, one of the thing one of the interesting things to talk about with with any kind of art, I mean, and I talk about it a lot when I talk about, you know, creative writing and stories and things like that is that, you know, form could actually be meaning like the actual form of the thing could mm. tell the story of, of what it is. And I think that there is, I was watching, uh, you know, to bring up our friends at Hodinkee a while ago, I was watching one of their mm. talking watches things, which is, I, you know, I, I enjoy watching that series. And they had this guy, um, David Edelman, and he is the CEO of this company called design within reach. And they make this really high end kind of like modern art, mid-century furniture. It's really nice stuff. And he said something like he designed, he, he defined modern as being something like a aesthetically pleasing that functions at a high level. And I think that what's inherent in that is the idea that there are a lot of designs that are, you know, the design, like you said, is the function. And I guess the, yeah. the pleasing aesthetic is a byproduct. Like, I mean, if you think about like a Flieger watch, right, um, or a field watch, but I mean, a Flieger, Flieger watch in particular, where you basically have, you know, a lot of times a triangle at noon and huge numerals and big hash marks. Is it a pleasing design? Sure. We like the font. We like the layout. We like simplicity. We like symmetry. But the design of it was functional. It had to be legible because people are flying planes, wearing goggles. They have to look down at their wrist and know what time yeah. it is. So in that sense, it was a very purposeful design but what's so interesting is like well yes but somebody i mean somebody had to have an eye for how that was all balanced even if they weren't being artful about the font they chose let's say even the mathematics of it the balance the symmetry the measurements of the diet like all that stuff is artful you know and i think in in cases like that yeah. watches definitely can be aesthetically appealing based on you know their primary functional purpose you know the watch that came to my mind when i was thinking was of this um g-shot oh yeah like in a really weird way the artful arrangement of the g-shock to be legible has become iconic for the design of the it's a good it's a good looking it's a it's, i mean some people don't think it is but uh to me i think that like and like the generic layout of the g-shock i know there's like a billion right. g-shocks so don't fucking send me your guys <laughs> but i mean like the generic like 100 right. <clears throat> you know g-shock i think we have a review of it i can't remember the name of it it's on, on mm -hmm. the site like that in that sense, it's function first. Someone artfully had to arrange the uh, forward-facing components of the watch to make sure everything was accessible, everything was legible, and everything functioned in the way that someone needed it to if they were in a specific situation. But all of that ended up amounting to just actually a really cool design. It actually just looks cool. Right. You know? I mean, what people forget is so. that design doesn't have to mean 
purposeful artistic design. Design could mean balance. It could mean symmetry. Yeah. It could mean, you know, finishing. Like, I mean, we talk about Seiko and we talk about, um, you know, Taro Tanaka and the, and the, uh, the design principle, the, um, the grammar of design principles of like, you know, he did grand Seiko, King Seiko. Like a lot of that was about the finishing, the angles, you know, and it was, yeah. a, it was a very kind of Zen and like mathematical approach to design. It wasn't about, it wasn't like, like, um, uh, Bilal's watch that we looked at that had all of that, that interesting, like, um, uh, design on the dial, but it was, but, 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 you know, they, they use a different design language than just kind of like, you know, kind of like an artistic, you know, I I don't even know how I would define it. Like, like a drawing sensibility or a painterly sensibility, the way that we think of design, but like an architectural sensibility. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I guess I would, I guess to delineate between like function design the other one that we're, I guess we're trying to name, I, I, and I'm not saying this in a weird way, I guess sens- sensual design, sensor-based sure. design, something purely for the senses. I look at this, I look at my 80s watch and the mix of colors with this pink, the purple, and the yellow, and this like cool splash of oh, green. Yeah. It's appealing to my senses, you know, as opposed to like, like a G-Shock where, yeah, you're appealing to the senses in one sense, that's a weird way of saying it, but the reality is I find the G-Shock attractive because I know this design is really informed by the function right. um, um, you know, of this watch. I think I think it's an interesting note to start <clears throat> let me move my fucking cord before I run over it. To start rounding rounding down on because I think I think we should be a bit more conscious about the design of our watches because I think folks would be more inclined to make appropriate purchases or get themselves in a better position to be happy with their collection because um and i don't know henry if you struggle with this but like i talk to people all the time and they're just like yeah man you know i just bought this watch last week and like i'm really itching to get something new it's like like dude why like yeah you just gotta watch man you know what i mean like clearly that watch maybe just didn't do it for you or maybe you have some some kind of hoarder neurosis which i don't really know how to diagnose because i'm not a doctor to clear up any confusion, <laughs> if anyone was confused at home, I am not a doctor. Right. I mean, like, we were talking so. in, in one of the last Writer's Room episodes, we were just talking about, like, um, uh, vertical collecting. Oh, vertical yeah, collecting. Yeah, you know, and so, yeah. like, I, I had a, a Citizen Nighthawk, which I, I liked for a long time, and I ended up selling it. And I had two different versions uh, of the Maritak Pilot, which I ended up selling. And... You know, I, for whatever reason, I just I didn't really click with Flieger, like pilot style watches. And I, mm. I probably have at the moment, I probably have eight to ten different field watches um, from different different wow. eras, new ones, vintage ones. And for whatever reason, something about the design sensibility of those little touches that make those different. Um, it's just something that I'm just ravenous for. I have no idea why, um, but it's it's, to, you know, six feet away. People would think I have a bunch of the same watch. But up close, it's those little differences that, you know, whatever it is, the design sensibility of that um it's not because of the heritage it's not because of what it's used for it's just something with me my aesthetic preference is something about the balance of that dial appeals to me and that's at the end of the day that's really yeah. all that matters is what do you like yeah i mean everything we've been doing is this discussion for people to help figure out what they like i mean shouldn't be that hard as human to figure out what we like but you guys would be surprised how hard it is to figure out what we like sometimes if we were in a vacuum it would be easy but when we're online and stuff like that and people are telling us what we're supposed to like it's it gets very very muddy yes agreed um let's do this i love this episode actually because i'm looking at what we've specced out for future iterations of this design and watch discussion and we've literally done little tidbits of basically it's kind of hard not to yeah 
It's kind of hard not to, but I love that because now we can, uh, and if you're cool with it, I'd like to kind of just, just foreshadow some of the future more focused discussions that we have yeah, totally. um, if you're still on board oh, to totally, do this absolutely. because it's going to be really fun to dig into these topics uh, just more aggressively. There's stuff, there's, there, you know, micro brands, you know, does micro brand being designed forward or maybe being designed, you know, stagnant, even though some pokes, some, some pokes, there you go. Some folks wouldn't do it. I would probably classify Steinhardt as a micro brand, but they're not really designed forward. Right. There's some micro brands that are fucking crazily designed, like, like um, Dietrich out of Dur- right. Germany. I think it's another German right. brand. Two, two, two totally different German brands. German micro brands, right. you know what I mean. Um, there's also stuff here, uh, you know, uh, Field Watch. I like the Fashion Watch one. There's also we talk about this watches designed by artists. That's totally going to be a fun discussion. And then um, I think this is totally justified. I don't know if we've talked about this specifically, but I'm seeing it written down here. And I was talking with Michael about it. This is totally justified. We need to probably do an entire episode in this style on um, Timex and this the how they've been digging into their archives and just using kind of like what you were saying almost a remixing or kind of giving people what they want like they're a big legacy brand that is reaching into their own history and they're giving people what they want I mean to some extent I know some people aren't happy with some of the movement choices right. some of these recent right. watches but uh, well guys unless you want to pay eight hundred dollars you should probably just show up and be happy with whatever movement's right. in there. And Timex you is know? interesting because it kind of dips into all these other... I mean, they have field watches, they make fashion watches, and they have collaborations with actual artists. So, I mean, it kind of kind of yep. has a toe in each one of these things here. Yeah. So, super, super cool. Um, I mean, Henry, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for dedicating your Sunday morning to just... You know, hearing me talk. No um, problem. This is this is just this is just what it is, man. Any other points you wanted to go over in regards to this discussion? Any closing points? Any mic drops you'd like to make? Uh, I'm gonna just say one other thing. I was I sent you a link. We'll, we can talk about it another time. But um, uh, aggressive timing habits. Bo, one of our contributors here. He he has a watch by this mm-hmm. company, it's Chinese. Uh, Chinese company uh, called Atelier Wen, and they make these portion uh, a portion porcelain dialed watches that are extremely designed forward, and they're Chinese, and you know Chinese watches a lot of times get a bad rap, and they are gorgeous. And so, if you have a second, you know, on Instagram, folks, take a look at that. Just in terms of a newer small brand that's doing a very design forward, artful kind of thing, it looks like a it looks like a piece of porcelain, like a, like a porcelain uh, vase or something. It's really really pretty. These are really they're fucking pretty. Cool. They're like they're kind of like the Seiko, oh, um, the Seiko uh, Presage enamel dial ones. It's presage, um, but they're, yeah. I mean they're gorgeous. They're really pretty. God damn! Yeah. Wish I had cool stuff. <laughs> so this piece of shit Rolex I'm wearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> this piece of shit just throw in the corner. This fucking <laughs> piece of shit Rolex, man. Too good. But here, Henry, let's do this. Let's start rounding it down. Huge shout out and a huge thank you to um, our uh, two. Uh, Patreons who joined us for the audio wrist check today. Bilal rocking the Grand Seiko SBGA413. And particularly, thank you, Bilal, for turning me on to those watches because I just didn't even fucking know they exist. I think they're gorgeous. And a huge shout out to at um, King Fournier on Instagram rocking the SBBN015 on this um, really fun Uncle Seiko GL831 rubber strap. The perfect pandemic watch, <laughs> I think we can call it. Um, you know what's funny about the tuna actually? The tuna case is another interesting 
potentially design topic. So I, I don't know how much you know about it. I, I don't know that much about it. I only know about it because someone explained it to me a little bit. But the evolution of the tuna case, like the iconic tuna case, and that look being the main reason why people want to buy the watch, that was a form thing. That case evolved to suit a very specific diving need. And there were like different iterations of that right. case that had to exist. And they kept tinkering right. it and tailoring it until it finally fit the form, the, the purpose that it needed to in regards to like diving and bezel access. But now these days it's something cool looking that people just want to buy. Yeah, and to look, at, to look at the entire evolution of the design, I think is really fascinating also to just see how it changed and why it changed over time. Yeah. Telling you, man. Super, super fun episode. Here, let's do this. Um, so here's what we're going to do, Henry. I'm going to say, uh, you know, we'll close it out. I'll say, you know, uh, uh, Henry, Henry, close this out. You'll say, uh, you know, this is this is Henry, and I'll say, this is Kaz, and I'll say some things, and then, you know, we'll end the recording. But don't close Skype just so we can do, like, a proper, like, goodbye. Not oh, here. okay. Like real well, people, kind of, sure. Like real people. I have reached a point in my life as an adult man, 33 years old, that all I want to do is just feel like a real person go. again. Um. I find it's harder and harder every day, especially when you're angle grinding tiles. <laughs> you're the angle grinder, the grinder of angles. It's a shout out to any of our Before the Clap subscribers. But here, Henry, uh, uh, it's that sad time. Close us out, say bye, and then I'll, um, yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll close it out, and then we'll just, we'll just say bye. And All right, see everybody. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Hope to talk to you again. Awesome. And uh, yeah, that was Henry. This is Kaz. You have been listening to Two Broke Watch Stops, the only watch podcast submitted for the approval by the Midnight Society. Thank you, everyone. Mm-hmm.